This is R.J. Rushdoony, Easy Chair Number 368, August the 2nd, 1996. In this session, Douglas Murray, Andrew Sandlin, Mark Rushdoony, and I will discuss terrorism. I have, over the, the period of time, read a, a number of articles and some books on terrorism. One of the more interesting uh, in its insights was written in 1979 by Michael Selzer, S-E-L-Z-E-R, Terrorist Chic, C-H-I-C. And his analysis, I think, is the most enlightening because this is what he says, and I quote, Terrorist Sheik expresses fascinated approval of violence, brutality, sadomasochism, evil, and degeneracy in general. It apotheosizes meaninglessness and indecency, unquote. Now, with that he has defined a high percentage of modern films and television. We do have the emphasis on uh, violence, brutality, sadomasochism, evil, and degeneracy in general. Moreover, one of the points he makes is that uh, the attitude of this mentality is that civilization is violence. Therefore, there is no reason why they should not indulge in it. Or as one person, he quotes, says, I believe in selfishness. Another finds beauty in depravity. And so on and on. Uh, we are living in an age of depravity, some assert, and therefore everything goes. Now, another point he makes, which is very, very important, is that these people were involved in this cult of depravity and in terrorism are people without feeling. That some of them, and he quotes sadomasochists, for example, cannot experience anything because they're so dead emotionally unless they are being tortured or are torturing someone. They can only find life or react other than with a deadness to terror. And uh, as a result, our culture is inclined to terrorism because terrorism carries to full fruition what is the popular mentality of teenagers, of the films, of more and more adults who are trying to be a part of the modern scene. And it involves contempt for the uh, proprieties of life. For example, baseball caps with a visor worn backwards. Now, that is nonsense because the visor is to give you shade. But it's a way of expressing contempt for the realities of life. Or hats and caps are worn to protect one from the sun. So you wear them indoors. You wear them into a restaurant or a fast food place or in the house. Little things like that 
to show your contempt of meaning and of order. On all sides we see this. This kind of thinking and activity has taken over one country after another. The punk mentality which sprang up a few years ago is very, very radically wedded to this. And youth feels that it must express contempt uh, one way or another for manners, for order, for everything that smacks of decency and civilization. Let me cite this paragraph from page 110. Punk is, in the words of the aptly named John Rockwell of the New York Times, a symbol of the restless energies of a youthful subculture that found industrialized bourgeois society hypocritical, self-satisfied, and stale. This critic discovers in punk a profoundly concerned idealism. He reports a concert given by an English group, the Sex Pistols, in Atlanta. The SBs were singing a song called Pretty Vacant. After a few repeats of the refrain, We're so pretty, oh so pretty, vacant. The crowd bellowed out the word vacant along with a singer. A young gentleman named Johnny Rotten capped it all by screaming, and we don't care, unquote. Well, there's no uh, expose of hypocrisy or anything in such behavior. It's just a rejection of civilization. That's right. And when you reject civilization and its forms, even if it's no more than wearing your cap in the house or at the dinner table or in a restaurant, it means you are finished with the niceties of life. That uh, anything that is disruptive and disorderly pleases you. And you're contributing you're a small bit to that disruption. You are adding to the general tenor of meaninglessness and indecency that prevails in our culture. Well, the, the rock uh, groups seem to only or seem to be exploiting the anger and uh, apparent frustration of the youth, because the youth are the ones that are paying the money. Most people after they reach the age of 30 years old uh, don't waste their money on that sort of thing. But uh, all of these various rock groups that have come out of England see the United States as an enormous market uh, for marketing this form of uh, uh, intellectual anarchy and uh, anti-God uh, feeling. And it seems to have run its course because the rock groups uh, pretty much died out and uh, they can't uh, fill an auditorium because of the production costs of putting on one of these uh, big rock concerts. They can't, uh, they can't make money anymore unless they can you know, get uh, several hundred thousand people to attend one of these things. They can't make any, uh, enough money to interest them. So... Uh, it seems to have run its course, but it's you know it's now seems to have uh, metamorphosed into this uh, teenage uh, uh, feeling of uh, desperation where kids feel compelled to commit suicide. That there's no longer an outlet for this frustration uh, via the rock groups, but the I think that the kind of terrorism that is on most people's minds today. Is the the you know political terrorism, politically motivated terrorism, and to me, terrorism is simply the ultimate form of cowardice. Uh, you know, it comes out of uh, this um, uh, feeling of impotence, uh, 
which turns to anger and frustration, and they only seem to be able to to vent this with a terrorist act, but it's always an is an act of cowardice. You know, it's always the sneak attack, the knife in the back, the bomb, the letter the letter bomb. It's really it's a despicable kind of violence. Well, the interesting thing to me is that this popular culture that is described in terrorist chic has its basis in the same thing that leads to political terrorism. I want to quote another passage from the book by Selzer. He says, Yet in one respect terrorist chic is quite novel, for it has succeeded in transforming into a publicly acceptable posture what hitherto had existed only in furtive and anti-social privacy. Degenerate fantasies of sex and violence are not new. Making them into fashionable pose is something of a departure in the history of culture. It is only in the context of terrorist chic that it becomes permissible, even appealing, for Pentaos to offer the bon mot, effing, the F word, and killing are the same to its three and a half million readers. Only now, by the same token, might sadomasochistic symbols figure unabashedly in high fashion or the rewards of stardom be conferred on the singer of a song whose refrain is a joyous I'm born to kill. Unquote. Now, some terrorists who have been interviewed and the interviews carried in one magazine or another profess political goals, but what comes through is their pleasure in creating terror in killing. And in fact, the uh, general of the anarchistic forces in the Russian Revolution uh, told a man who wound up in Lodi ultimately and wrote a book about his experiences that uh, the end of the revolution would be his end. And, of course, he was executed by the Bolsheviks because what he wanted was continuous terror. And he admitted to Schroeder that uh, his pleasure was in killing and looting and raping, and he did not want peace. And the terrorists don't want the vague political... Uh, answer that they profess. That's they right. basically want continuous terror. That's right. They don't thrive on anything else. There is a deadness in them. Do they think they're going to escape the terror themselves? That it's not going to be turned on them? It's a double-edged sword. It doesn't phase them. It's a love for chaos. Just as with so many of our teenage killers today life doesn't mean anything so death doesn't mean anything and they are simply vicious they enjoy perpetuating viciousness on all sides the difference between the terrorists and the street gangs is only that the terrorists profess some kind of noble cause but it's a facade There is no nobility in them. They enjoy the terror. I think, too, that terrorism is violent theater. Yes. What's crucial about it is that it's seen and experienced. Uh, The putting on a show, the the histrionic aspect of it is, is crucial. It's a religious statement, the worship of violence for all to see on the plane of history. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's why there's really, 
ultimately no such thing as covert terrorism. I mean, even the so-called covert terrorism is designed to make a, a public statement for people to see. And thus, there, I think there are twinges, too, of romanticism in it, the, the glossy and the glitzy and the bloody, really uh, typified in, you may have heard of the movie, um, what is it, Natural Born Killers, Oliver Stone's movie, uh, which was something of a satire, but there certainly was some truth in that idea. Um, I, I think people sort of acting out their fantasies on the stage of history for everyone to see. That's very, very important. Because what we find when we go back in history is that the theater had an important part to play in the French Revolution. Yes. And the essence of the theater is drama. How do you solve things? By a crisis. Well, there are millions of crises without resolutions. Nothing comes out of them except more trouble. But the theater very early, for dramatic purposes, saw crises and what we could call a revolution as a solution. Overturning everything supposedly will right everything. And so we have the theater of revolution and the terrorists like to put on a performance. They want publicity and attention. They call attention to it and to themselves as much as possible. I was not happy today to read that uh, one expert in the field predicts that we will be the target of more terrorism, that Britain and the United States all the world, but especially Britain and the United States, will be the target of terrorism because we have been so successful and are successful and therefore are resented. And that's all important. Some of these terrorists are in countries where conditions are far, far worse than anything uh, in the countries that are the object of terrorism, that doesn't concern them. It's a hatred, a resentment, a feeling that we have to destroy these people because they are superior. They think they're so good. Well, they've forgotten about us and we're going to make them pay for that. You know, another point, Rush, another angle, uh, a materialistic culture is very vulnerable to terrorism because for that culture this life alone has meaning a culture that worships this life that has no hope of of heaven uh, is going to be especially vulnerable to terrorism because terrorists know that they can blackmail a culture like that I hesitate to bring this up because some people are prone to go overboard here But some years back, I read uh, a history of secret societies. There were none in the Middle Ages. The inequalities were there, but there was a different spirit, so there wasn't the kind of resentment that leads to terrorism and revolution and violence but that with the beginning of the modern age, various secret groups began to form because their premise was rationalistic to the core that some kind of overturning, some kind of revolution was the solution rather than regeneration. They had abandoned Christianity And therefore, they had to believe in uh, some kind of hidden work by which they were going to take over. So that in the modern age, there have been hundreds, maybe thousands of conspiratorial groups planning to take over the country or the West or the world because for them... Change comes through revolution rather than regeneration. 
So the whole mentality of terrorism is radically and totally anti-Christian. It's not only on the left wing either. Unfortunately, we have right wing people who feel that the solution is in revolution. Oh, yes. And um, we need to be warned about them. They recognize the evils of society, the evils of a strong centralized government, and think that the solution to that problem is to pick up guns and start shooting. And uh, that is not the that is not the solution. We meet injustice, not with injustice, but with justice, with obedience, and that's how God works: regeneration rather than revolution. Well, there are portions of Seltzer's book that I really cannot read because it describes the kinds of practices that prevail now in our anti-Christian age, the sadomasochistic crowds, their uh, adoption of things that mark them as coprophiliacs. I won't tell you what the word means if you don't know. And all of this is... Uh, so endemic in our culture so that we see minor forms of it all around us. And it indicates that our culture is wedded to violence. It has to have it for entertainment and for uh, the solution to problems. Well, and it tends to be very um, addictive, and people need more and more of it uh, to to please them. Uh, sort of like a drug in some ways, and that's true of all sin, of course. That it tends to be very addictive, and one has to have more and more grandiose and perverse aspects of it. But we really see that in modern violence and terrorism, and the relationship we talked earlier to modern music is a prime example. I want to mention Patterson's book, The Triumph of Vulgarity, that points out this very thing, and there is a relationship between the two. Turning to Seltzer again, uh, under the flamboyant and self-righteous rhetoric of terrorist ideology and proclamation, two qualities stand out. Terrorism feels and never reasons and therefore is always right. He also says, one indication of terrorism's irrationality may be found in the tenuous connection between ter terrorist deeds and the goals that are ostensibly they are ostensibly designed to serve. This lack of connection, in turn, owes much to the vagueness of many terrorist goals. It is all very well to say that one wishes to destroy imperialism or racism or whatever. But where do these alleged evils reside? One does not want to attack manifestations of them merely, but the essence of the evil itself." Unquote. Now, we would add the essence of the evil is in man and his fallen, depraved nature. That's right. And the only way to alter that is through Christ's regenerating power. But they don't have that hope. That's why they have to rely on this. Yes. That's right. Well, if you have a materialistic worldview, you're going to have a materialistic solution, and revolution yes. is one. Terrorism yes. is the essence of revolution. Yes. It's interesting you pointed that out, Rush. This really is a romantic phenomenon, too, an obsession with violent feelings, that anything can be justified if it can be based in feeling uh, rather than reason. And that's really prominent in our culture today. The important thing is not whether it's morally right and wrong. The person had a deep passion about it, and therefore the passion yes. itself justifies the action. Uh, quoting again from Selzer, uh, 
there is no purpose in this, no contribution to the attainment of the revolution, but simply and almost sufficiently the enjoyment of disgustingly meaningless brutality. Even terrorism's pseudo-rationality expresses the terrorist's disdain for human life. From Emile Henry's, there are no innocents. To the PLO's, how can you say who is and who is not a combatant? It provides license for indiscriminate and meaningless slaughter and destruction. There are no ideas then to be conveyed by terrorism's propaganda of the deed, only an angry, senseless lashing out at the world in which the terrorist feels discontented. Now, an interesting aspect of it all is that beginning from the early grades with their talk about uh, what bad people are doing to the environment and what uh, this or that uh, evil group is doing to the world or to peoples, children are taught this kind of hostility and resentment that marks the terrorist mind. This is why more and more of them graduate from school to join in on the uh, terror in the streets. I think one of the things that uh, we have to recognize that we are living in an age of particular depravity, of people who enjoy their depravity, and yet are unwilling to see the connection between what goes on in the films, in the media, in the schools, and elsewhere, and terrorism by organized groups the world over. Countries all over the world now are engaged in an ongoing battle against the forms of terrorism that confront them. And this is occurring in countries that have been a hallmark of order, public order, such as Japan. Some of the acts of terrorism that have taken place there are horrifying to Japanese because they have never known that sort of thing. Authority has been so strong in their culture, but it is now breaking down, and as a result, terror is everywhere. And very often, in some countries, as in Ireland, both sides will resort to violence. They justify it in terms of their cause. And as a result, they are slowly but steadily giving credibility to mindless violence. And this is infecting all segments of society. Every now and then we see something about police overreacting in a situation or the border patrol overreacting. Well, in such instances, even though it is wrong, there is provocation. But there is no provocation for what goes on in uh, families. The violence towards the wife or the husband or the children. All that is related to our world of terror. More than one person in our time has written about the growing incivility that marks people here and abroad. The discourtesies, the crudeness of remarks, the uh, hostilities that are manifest publicly. Some have said it's not as bad in this country as it is elsewhere. 
which may or may not be true. When I read one such article, it took me back to the 20s when I was a child. And uh, I recall this being commonplace. Almost every boy that I went to school with had experienced this at some time or other, uh, going someplace with their parents and seeing somebody who was very, very fat or somebody who was very ugly or very dirty, ragged, and without thinking you'd say, boy, she's fat or he's ugly or that person is really dirty dressed and smack you got it across the mouth immediately and you were told you never talk about people like that you don't know them you have no right to be so unkind that was routine I witnessed it more than once seeing a kid in a Streetcar or department store or on the sidewalk get smacked. Today, not only children but adults make remarks like that. Right. No one thinks anything of it. Yeah, but they, the, there's a difference, a subtle difference. Instead of being unjust or unkind, today it's called being judgmental. Except they don't call that kind of remark judgmental. They tend to call a moral judgment judgmental. Mm -hmm. And if you're morally right in saying what that person did is wrong, you're judgmental. It's it's used also in being judgmental about people's appearance Uh, uh, or behavior. Uh, Someone who is uh, um, clothes are dirty or ragged or whatever it's uh it, i've heard that parents use that term quite a bit don't be judgmental yeah but no smack across the no, mouth. no. <laughs> well they don't dare well, no that's true the cops would be there in minutes aren't we saying here that then that we're descending into a new barbarism because yes we mm-hmm. are christianity um refines the manners of course that's not the main thing Christianity is about, but a byproduct of Christianity yes. is the refinement of manners. And um, we see the results of secularism in the barbarization, I think, of, of modern culture and the things you mentioned and many more, I think, Rush. The marvelous thing is that there's a counter-movement and the home schools and Christian schools are a major part of it. The difference between the behavior of the products of such schools and the products of public schools is dramatic. Yes. And uh, it is being recognized more and more so that uh, by their fruits you shall know them and we are being known by our fruits. My family and I were eating in Southern California, Rush, a few months ago and we saw a school group come in very well-dressed, mannerly, obedient, not loud, and I said right away, that has to be a Christian school. We didn't know it for sure. We leaned around, looked out the window, and saw, sure enough, it was a Christian school bus. It brought, mm-hmm. a, I think, a basketball team, you know, and the mm-hmm. cheerleaders and so forth. Had it been a, a secular, a government school, it would have been totally different. Yes. Unfortunately, the kids have to be exceptionally strong to uh, stand up under the withering... Uh, Assaults that they get, you know, and they're among their peers, particularly if, uh, you know, they uh, either have to attend a public school or if they, uh, you know, play a, in sports with a, a public school. It's it's difficult for kids. It really is. Yes, it it's, is. It's a major challenge in their lives to to uh, try to you know, behave in a civil, yes. civil way without sticking out like a sore thumb and drawing the ire of their peers. And it, it really takes a superior individual with, with uh, 
tremendous self-control and self-discipline to do that. And faithful parents and the work of the Holy Spirit of God in covenant children. That's what we've got to constantly emphasize. Uh, they're not to be transformed by evil. They're supposed, they're supposed to be doing the work of godly transformation in society, but just the opposite too often obtains. They're influenced by the culture rather than reshaping the culture. We've got to train children to reshape the culture for the, uh, for the grace of God and for His sake and with the dominionist impulses. One of the things that Seltzer quotes someone as saying is, and this is someone who likes depravity. Anonymity is an important part of depravity as well as of terrorism. You wouldn't want the world to know that you personally are depraved. One element of the mystique of depravity is precisely the mystique of it all. So, this is very, very interesting. Now, what uh, Christianity did was to make people more personal. Personal. Because it stressed man made in the image of God with righteousness, holiness, dominion, uh, Man was somehow set apart. He felt more of a person and therefore because he was created for eternity he had a different status and every other person had a different status. One of the reasons given in the Bible in Genesis 9-6 as to why murder is wrong is that man is created in the image of God. Now, one of the things that uh, marked the world of antiquity was that you were not as much a person. You were replaceable. I recall years ago, and I wish I knew where it was, a letter of consolation from someone to uh, another person about the loss of a child. Well, it's no problem. You're young enough to make another baby. Mm. Well, it would be hard for a Christian to say that because each child is a person Mm. and there is a distinct quality an eternal quality that is irreplaceable well with uh, the modern materialistic view what are people that's right one goal of the terrorists uh, is to eliminate people and their attitude is The world is overpopulated, so if we kill a few to achieve our goal, it's no problem. They do not see murder as murder. They see it as part of their goal. And uh, this is a totally different world. It's a world that is growing up around us, And Christians are either going to have to get busy and convert these people or pay the price of their failure. God will raise up another people to himself somewhere else if we fail to do our work. Unfortunately, Rush, too many Christians don't recognize what you and Van Til wisely called the antithesis, and they're easily influenced by that culture and seduced by that very culture and therefore they don't feel a call to cultural transformation they feel a call toward getting along and having nice weepy or uh, happy spiritual feelings well I don't think they recognize the gravity of the warfare that we're involved in Mm -hmm. because they've been uh, so influenced 
by this particular culture that we're talking about. I think they need to step back and recognize the severity of the situation. Yes. Seltzer calls attention to the kind of thing that is considered art now and relates it to terrorism. Uh, she cites one, uh, uh, he cites one uh, photographic show which packed in huge crowds at the Museum of Modern Art. The woman photographer had done everything in photographing people to show their absurdity, to show flaws, to show uh, kinkiness, The crying babies she photographed looked like they were mentally disturbed and insane. And she was highly praised and had, for the time at least until then, the record turnout for a photographic show. Our tastes all around us in our popular culture and in the aesthetic world are inclined in the direction of terrorism. And anyone who stresses meaninglessness, as our cultural leaders do, is preparing the way for terrorism. I'm happy to say that I missed that exhibit. (laughs) Who is that one male photographer whose show created uh, such a sensation? Uh, Mapplethorpe. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Very, very uh, degenerate. And yet, praised as though it was great and no one had the right to censor the showing. He was a homosexual, a horrible monster. Now, tied into all this, I referred to it earlier briefly. But it goes back to a very brilliant psychoanalyst, Theodore Reich, a pupil of Freud. In some respects, the only uh, wise man in the field because he was brilliant. And he observed at one point with regard to masochism on which he wrote a book that the masochist enjoys the pain because at least he is experiencing something. It's offering meaning. Yes. Well, he is so dead within Mm -hmm. that he has to have pain inflicted upon him in order to feel alive. And our culture is like that. We have to have wholesale murders, wholesale massacres, and even those are not very important if they're not of the right kind. Who's paying attention to the mass murders and the slave markets in the Sudan after all the uh, enslavers and murderers are Muslim Arabs Mm -hmm. and the enslaved and murdered are Christian blacks and animistic blacks. And in their eyes, they are dispensable. Well, we have a a rather perverted criminal justice system that waits murder. For instance, uh, you get uh, uh, a more stringent punishment if uh, you murder with special circumstances. God defines these special circumstances. There are degrees, different degrees of murder. Well. Seltzer says, uh, our age is marked by an incapacity to find anything interesting. And so it has to be hit harder and harder and shocked more and more in order to get any kind of attention from it. And this we see in the progressive horror that is emphasized on the screen. Spiritual death. Mm -hmm. That's right. So terrorism 
more than almost anything in our society today, expresses our culture. That's right. This means that it's a very deadly thing that apparently is here to stay. It has too much appeal. The number of terrorists are likely to grow. The one answer is to Christianize the world. Rush, do you and think that's our calling? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, Rush. Do you think too that there's a um, an element of you know the Marxist idea of creative chaos that if we can produce all of this finally, some good will eventually come? I know some of them. It's just the act itself they're obsessed with. Yes, uh, it's closely tied with the ancient cults of chaos. They believe that ritually they had to return to chaos every year, the Saturnalia, yeah. when for a number of days uh, there was no law when a murderer was made king and possessed the queen, when every kind of sexual crime and every kind of other crime was legal. Since we came out of chaos, they believed we had to return periodically to chaos as a kind of a revival meeting. Well, some years ago I wrote uh, a little monograph which was published on the religion of revolution. And... uh, I pointed out at the time, this was early in the 60s, that we were returning to the cults of chaos and would have to have more and more chaos in the form of revolution and overturning of things in order to be able to uh, revitalize our culture it would be held. And this is what we are seeing. The only alternative is Christ. No, Rush, it's sad that there are so few Christian organizations dealing with these issues. I was thinking, how many Christian groups or Christian foundations or churches would even be dealing with the issues we're dealing with tonight? They're so pietistic and, and well, so separate. Well, they've withdrawn from the world. That's the point. They're, they've so withdrawn themselves from reality in the world, waiting for the rapture and that sort of thing. And if they don't wake up, the terror will hit them. You hear about all the church burnings. Yes. Well, what's the reason for it? They've seen race as the reason, but in one or two cases it may have been true. But they don't talk about all the hundreds of white churches that are also burned. It's a hatred of Christ. It's a hatred of the church. It's a form of terrorism by isolated individuals. Well, John Brown did some of the same thing, didn't he? Oh, very definitely, and brought on the Civil War. A terrible catastrophe. But we're seeing terrorism of that sort now, and we don't have the honesty to deal with it. And only uh, when they decided to feature the black churches did uh, some kind of public notice uh, result. And the White House took notice of it, and Congress apparently is planning to. Uh, Peter Hammond also wrote to remind us that there are many more black churches in the Sudan and Africa, many more that are being destroyed here in the U.S. And while he says we certainly have sympathy for those in the U.S., why is it that this church burning and this murderous rage that's going on in Africa, why is that not emphasized, you know? Yes. They want to ascribe it to racism, because that will blame, say, uh, the whites who don't like blacks and take the heat off the culture generally. That's right. It is an expression of our culture. Yes. It is going to spread unless we confront what it is, what terrorism has its roots in, together with rock and roll and uh, our media entertainment and so on. All part and parcel of one thing. A deadness within which needs to have 
the most vicious kind of expression in order to feel alive. Can you imagine these sadomasochists who have to have all kinds of torture, have to have things driven into their flesh, have to subject themselves to screaming agony in order to feel alive. There's a deadness in our society. And imagine the wholesale murders that are a part of television and the films now. There's a deadness. There's a whole genre of movies. It's the the most popular form of movies is the action movie. Uh And uh, the reviews even talk sometimes about how they're thin on plot. That's not the point. The point is the special effects and what they blow up and how and how fast-paced it is and how much destruction can take place over the course of, of the movie. And uh, this is the most popular form of movie now. Yes. I was watching the other night um, dramatization of... Uh, a story written by a woman writer of the 30s. And uh, the thing that uh, struck me, I didn't realize that this particular writer was the author of this story until it was over. Well, nowadays the motivation is some kind of deep psychological problem, a hurt, and so on. In this story, I kept trying to figure out the plot until it suddenly dawned on me why the problem is sin. And I suddenly realized how old-fashioned the whole point of the story was. The plot had a reality, and I was trying to see it in an unreal way because I didn't realize it came out of the 30s. Mm -hmm. Modern man works so diligently to rationalize sin. It's, that's the whole point of everything. The whole point of life is to get rid of sin. I mean, sin is evident, but it has to be explained away in some other terms. That's the whole. That's what modern psychology is all about: the attempt to rationalize sin and redefine it, of course, and excuse it. And excuse it, of course. Yes. Let me. Our time is almost over. Cite uh, Seltzer's uh, beginning point. Through a wide range of artifacts and posturings, terrorist chic expresses fascinated approval of violence, brutality, sadomasochism, evil, and degeneracy in general. It apotheosizes meaninglessness and indecency. Now, the terrorist simply has pursued that to its logical end. He has said that I am going to employ these strategies to express my discontent with the world. And of course, there's nothing that can take away his discontent. He is wedded to it. That is so much a part of the modern mentality that... uh, There is no curing it apart from Christ. Not so much the hatred of man as the hatred of God. That's what he's really after. Yes. Any last comments, Andrew, Douglas? I mean, Douglas and Mark. Well, thank you all for listening, and God bless you.